0: All right. Well, um, hello, everyone. My name is David Chan. I'm the, uh, the youth director here at uh, what, what church are we? Uh, see me? me. Okay. Right. Um, I, I, you know, I got to just start off with a confession. I am so nervous right now. And it's really uh, like as we were worshiping, I just thought, man, this is so funny because when I uh, volunteer to speak tonight or today, um, I mean, I just felt like I felt no nerves at all um initially pretty much all the way up to yesterday and then yesterday I just had like this major crash and and I don't think I've ever felt nervous like this in my life uh preaching and it's and it's fitting that's the irony of it in that what I'm going to talk about today is about pretty much you know letting go of self-reliance and trusting in God and I feel like that right now like I am not reliant on myself whatsoever and God I need you right now in this moment and so um I just want to call out the elephant in the room. All right, well, uh, before I read the passage, I wanted to share a story uh, that uh, connects to the the sermon, hopefully. Uh, It's a silly story. Uh, I'm going to speak to all of you like I'm speaking to my youth members. Um, So the title of uh, my message is simply Trust. And one of the memorable moments I've had in my life where I had to exercise trust happened when I was in a discipleship training program in Montana. about 12, 13 years ago, uh, one day my group leader uh, comes, to our, comes to all of us and says, we're going on a trip. We're going on a trip, and we're going to get some cheeseburgers. And then he says, and it's going to be the best cheeseburger you've had in your life. And as soon as he said this, I thought, it's, it's not going to live up to the expectation. Like, when does it ever happen when someone sets the bar so high? When does it happen where it actually meets that expectation? And I just thought, oh my goodness, dude, bro, you can't just set it up like that. You got to lower the expectation so that, you know, we're pleasantly surprised. You can't set the bar that high. The best cheeseburger ever, right? And so I just thought, ah, oh, man, is this going to be a letdown? Uh, where, where are we going? Where is this place? And he said, it's a two-hour drive, one way. And now I'm thinking, now it's, it's like a guarantee that I'm going to be disappointed, right? I'm, we're going to drive two hours for some cheeseburgers, right? And I'm going to eat this crusty, dry cheeseburger. It's going to totally, uh, be a total disappointment, and I'm going to drive back two hours with this weight of disappointment. And I just thought, ugh. Of course, all of this was happening internally. Uh, externally, I was thinking, oh, that's, you know, that's kind of interesting. All right. All right. Anyways, but he kept assuring us, reassuring us that it's going to be the best cheeseburger you've ever tasted, David. Just trust me. Trust me on this. I'm not gonna, I'm not, I won't let you down. The best cheeseburger ever. And so, yes, we all reluctantly said, let's go. Let's go. And so we drive two hours, and guess what happened? Best cheeseburger ever the best cheeseburger I've ever tasted in my life. I'm talking about like the juiciest patty, right? It had like this smoky sausage and this jumbo shrimp. It, it, it doesn't, doesn't sound like it would work. It worked, it worked. And it was just like, uh, every bite I was just savoring it and we're just, all of us looking at each other like, ugh, like, like all of us are in awe. And on the way back, two hours drive, it was just like a moment of celebration, like, yes, best cheeseburger ever. It totally lived up to the hype. And so, what do you think is going to happen when our group leader the following w- week says to us, hey guys, we're going on a trip. I know a spot, best spaghetti ever. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen? Let's go. Let's go. All right. Something like this scenario is happening in this passage that we're about to read. In that, the disciples are in a position of doubt and uncertainty. And Jesus uses this moment to strengthen their trust and faith on what matters most, which is Jesus himself. Let's read John chapter 6, verses 1 through 21. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover feast of the Jews was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they? So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This indeed, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the Sea of Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing, and when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land in which they were going. Let me pray for us. Father God, this is your moment. This is your moment. And I pray that you would be magnified, and that you would be exalted, and that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing to you. Holy Spirit, come and help us to see you for who you really are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, this um, is a well-known event where Jesus feeds the 5,000. I'm pretty sure all of us, if you've gone to church long enough, have heard this tale. or not tale, uh, this event. Um, It appears in all four of the Gospels. And in three of the Gospels, this event of Jesus feeding the 5,000 is immediately followed by Jesus appearing to the disciples in the storm. Now, there's a connection point between the two events in that, in both accounts, Jesus is offering a lesson on trust by confronting his disciples during an extremely difficult situation and revealing to the disciples that through these moments of difficulty that Jesus is worthy of their trust. So the passage begins with a crowd. Now thousands are gathering to see Jesus. Why? Because of signs, it says. Through the healing ministry of Jesus. And these signs are pointing to the identity of Jesus. At this point in Jesus's ministry, the people aren't fully aware of who Jesus is. The disciples aren't sure either at this point. But they're gathering because obviously Jesus is an extraordinary person doing extraordinary things. But they're not fully aware that he is more than a teacher, more than a prophet. More than a political figure. And the aim of Jesus is to reveal in greater measure of who he is. Who he really is. And that he is worthy of our complete trust. Now the question I want to pose at this point is. Where do you place your trust in life? Everyone places their trust in something or else life would become so unstable, right? Everyone puts their trust in something to form a level of stability. Where do you place your trust? I think for some of us, you know, we place our trust in our families. And by the way, praise God. Praise God if you have a healthy family unit, right? Praise God. It's such a blessing if you have a relatively healthy family. Now, obviously, there is no perfect family. But if it's relatively healthy, praise God for that. Praise God. Because that's not the case for a lot of people. For a lot of people, family is a point of tension and instability. Um... Even if you have a family, a healthy family unit, you know, like I, you know, I have, I have two daughters, my wife, two daughters, and, you know, I love my family. I, I think we're relatively healthy. But it's fleeting. And I think maybe some of the dads could relate with me. You know, like when I look at my girls, and I love my girls so much, but I know one day they're going to leave the house, and they're not going to be my little girls anymore. And they're going to fall in love. <laughs> you know, and find a man. and start their own family. And that's obviously, you know, the love's still going to be there, but it's not going to be the same like it is now. The family unit that I have now is is fleeting. It's temporary. I think for some of us, we place our trust in financial security. And again, praise God if your savings account is stacked really high. You know, praise God for that. Uh, But I think for most of us, it's not, you know, we don't have that luxury. We don't have that luxury where we can rely on our savings for the remainder of our lives. Um, And even if you did, who's to say it's going to last? I'm not trying to be a bummer here, but man, life is seriously unpredictable. It really is unpredictable, right? I think for some of us, perhaps we place our trust in the state or the government. Um, But lately, I think the mood of our culture is, right? It's, you know, regardless of which side you're on or which camp you belong to, like it's, it's, uh, it's a little flimsy. Uh, public trust in government is a, is a bit flimsy right now, unfortunately. I think for the most part, though, people resort to trusting in themselves. But the question is, man, are you fully trustworthy? <laughs> Am I fully trustworthy? And I'm talking about in a moment of crisis, right, when your world turns upside down. Are you trustworthy to make the right decisions to live with integrity to be sound and stable and I'm talking about a moment of crisis are you trustworthy enough to not cause harm to others or even yourself are we are we trustworthy I'm not sure the point is there are different areas where we place our trust apart from God and at best and at best it's temporary And at worst, it's completely fleeting and unreliable. And what Jesus is trying to show his disciples is that only God is fully worthy of their trust. And he's revealing this to them, not just with words, but through circumstance. By positioning them, confronting them, maybe possibly putting them in moments of great difficulty where there's no room for self-reliance. And whatever they've placed their trust in apart from God begins to slip through their fingers. And in that moment of great difficulty and trial, Jesus invites them to himself. Because he alone is worthy of their trust. All right, so let's get back to the passage. There's a large crowd following Jesus, and there's a problem. And the problem is people are hungry. And using this moment to teach his disciples, Jesus asks Philip a question. He says, where are we going to buy bread for all of these people? And Philip responds, I think, like all of us or most of us would, right? Like he looks at the crowd and he looks at Jesus and thinks, what a stupid question. (laughs) Right? I mean, perhaps this is my own personal interpretation of adding tone in that response, but man, Philip's like, 200 denarii, Jesus. I don't know if he was this snarky, but, you know, let's, let's play, you know, play along. 200 denarii is not enough to buy bread for all of these people to even have a bite. And then Andrew, right, comes along and is like, hey, Jesus, look, I found a little boy, but he's got five loaves and two fish. What's that going to do, right? Like, it's just a, a silly moment. And, ooh, wow, that go. <laughs> and it's not, uh, explicit, it's not written in John, but in the other three Gospels, Jesus commands his disciples to give them something to eat. He instructs them no, 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 I want you to give them something to eat. And there's nothing like these types of situations where we are confronted with our inability, right? There's just no room for self reliance. Jesus says to them, you give them something to eat, and it's an impossible task. And as uncomfortable as this moment is, as painful as this moment is, it serves a purpose in that, man, really, the work of God cannot be accomplished with our own hands. But what are we supposed to do then? If the work of God cannot be accomplished with our own hands, what are we supposed to do? Just sit on the sidelines and let go and let God, Jesus, take the wheel? Not necessarily, That's not how Jesus prepares his disciples for involvement. Jesus takes the bread and fish, it says, and he gives thanks. And he gives to the disciples to distribute the bread and fish. And this is so convicting for me because here's what I believe. The bread and fish began to multiply as it was being handed out. In other words, they had to trust God first before the provision came. And this is such an uncomfortable moment. Because I want to see the bread first. Don't you? Stack it up, Jesus. (laughs) Stack up the bread. And then I'll pass it out like Oprah. Like you get a bread and you get a bread. (laughs) Right? I'll be generous and joyful with my giving as long as I know that there's provision. But God will often call us to action while we are lacking so that we will experience the provision as we press forward in faith and trust, which results in greater faith and trust in the provider. It's okay to drag your feet. All he wants us to do is step forward in faith. It's okay to be afraid. I'm so scared right now. <laughs> but, man, I trust you, God. And I feel like it's working out okay so far. Yeah. I have a story that really connects to me uh, with this, um, with this um, idea Uh, It happened when I uh, went on a mission trip to Mozambique, Africa. Now, I've been on mission trips before, right? And, you know, sometimes, like, there was this one mission trip in particular. When I came back, I just felt so much guilt because it did not feel like a mission trip. It felt like I went on a tour, right, with other people's money. And I just thought, oh, my goodness, like, what is this? But not in Mozambique. Good Lord, we worked hard from morning to evening. It was such a hard mission trip. You know, we're eating what the locals eat, we're staying with the locals, there's no plumbing, you know, the bathroom situation is a mess, there's cockroaches the size of like, 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 like this all over the walls, and there's like this humongous spider in the corner. Like the first couple of nights or the first couple of times you're using uh, the restroom, it's just like a traumatic event. Um, anyways, it was such a hard, hard mission trip, and near the end of our trip, um, we went to um, a local prison for prison ministry. And the day before uh, our visit, the leader of our mission, uh, of our group, uh, asked me to give the word uh, um, you know, in the prison. And so, yes, initially I said yes. But then the, I thought about it, and I thought, man, you know what? 24 hours isn't enough notice. Like, I, I can't prepare a message in 24 hours. How rude of him to not give me enough time. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I'm really tired. And it's a, it was a hard missions trip. I, and, you know, I just made a whole bunch of excuses. And uh, there was another pastor uh, in our team. And I, just, and I asked him, like, hey, Mike, can you, would you mind taking the spot tomorrow and preach in, in, in the prison? And he said, yes. Following day, we go to prison. And I realized, oh, my goodness, I made a huge mistake. Like, what an opportunity. Like, whenever, when am I going to get this opportunity to preach in a prison in Africa? and share the gospel. Like when am I going to get this opportunity? And I just felt so much like disappointment that I backed out. The following year, I went back to Mozambique. And before I went, I told myself, you know what? Whatever they asked me, whatever they asked me to do, I'm going to say yes. It doesn't matter what the conditions are. It doesn't matter how I'm feeling or how much notice I'm getting. Whatever they ask me, it's a yes. And The second mission trip was harder than the first. More rewarding than the first, but just hard. It was just really, really hard. And would you have it near the end of our trip, we do another prison. Uh, We're going to the prison, the same prison again. And the missions team leader has not shared who's going to be preaching in the prison. It's the day of, prison ministry we are waiting outside the prison for clearance to enter and it takes a little while like a couple of hours and I'm sitting we're all sitting under a tree and I'm sitting as far as I can away from the missions leader (laughs) because I just know like in this moment I'm having a dialogue with God and and I'm telling him Lord you have such a sense of humor this is not funny like (laughs) like I know you're going to assigned this task to me. I just know it. And I just thought, like, don't make any eye contact. Just (laughs) stare at the ground. Just stay still. And would you have it? She begins to walk by and asks, hey, David, would you mind giving the word when we go inside the prison? And I replied, yes! (laughs) Well, that's what I said internally, right? And it, was, it was obviously a little frustrating, but I said yes, and, and I remember oh goodness, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I asked someone for a Bible, and I thought, man, like, what am I going to preach on? I'm just—I'm totally unprepared, and, like, I had maybe 45 minutes to go, and, and I just thought, you know what? God, I'm just going to preach the gospel. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to preach about the free gift of grace by the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the free gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to preach the gospel. And I went in there just relying and trusting that God was going to show up. And guess what? He showed up. It was the most powerful sermon I've ever given in my life. My whole team was crying. I was crying. The security guard was manifesting. It was like the weirdest thing I've ever experienced. The prisoners all seated on the ground were just looking up in amazement. Like they were experiencing what we were all experiencing. The presence of God. God showed up and it was terrifying, it's terrifying, but there is no greater joy than to experience God's presence at work as we step forward in faith and God meets us there in ways that we we haven't predicted or in ways that we haven't, we can't imagine. There's an interesting side note here in this passage. Um, sometimes when we see the provision of God, we want to use it for our own gain. It happens in uh, verse 16. It says that people saw the signs and wanted to make Jesus king by force. Uh, in other words, they wanted to push their agenda, right? And and you know when I reflect on this on this verse, uh, you know I'm fully aware, man. This happens in all sort of con- all sorts of contexts, even in ministry, right? Where Pastors um, like myself, right, will sometimes, you know, maybe even subconsciously use God as a stepping stone for my own vocational affirmation. Right? We've got to be very careful with that. And, and that's happening in this passage. And what's interesting is when Jesus notices this, he withdraws himself. He distances himself from the crowd. And he doesn't appear until the disciples are in deep waters when the disciples are in great distress. Deep waters represents chaos. Why? Because it's scary. Right, you ever been in deep waters? Like literally? One time, uh, 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 our um, ministry group went to Catalina, And we were kayaking, and, you know, we had a little tandem kayak. And my friend jumped out of the kayak with his goggles, and he looked like he he went underwater and came back up. And he said, David, you got to get in here. It's so scary. (laughs) And I was like, okay. And I jumped in the water, and he's like, take these goggles and look down. And so I put the goggles down, looked down, and I popped up out of the water. I was like, we got to get back to the kayak. (laughs) It was pitch black. What is under there? It's so mysterious. It's so scary. And it has the potential to be violent and unforgiving. Deep waters. Now the Sea of Galilee isn't the ocean, but it, you know it's a lake. But imagine being in a small fishing boat when it's completely dark and the storm hits. The disciples are caught in a terrible circumstance. They're confronted by a storm, and in a moment of crisis, Jesus appears to his disciples. And what does he reveal in that moment? Jesus doesn't reveal human capacity, right? Like he doesn't tell his disciples, "Hey guys, you've been fishermen your entire lives. This isn't your first rodeo. You got this." Like he doesn't elevate human capacity, nor does he uh, provide foreknowledge. Hey guys just wait 30 minutes and you'll arrive at shore at the shore you'll be safe and sound don't worry everything is going to be fine he doesn't reveal any of these things instead he reveals himself in a moment of crisis jesus reveals who he is he says it is i don't be afraid And that, and that phrase, it is I, in Greek, echoes the same name that God gave to Moses. I am. Right? When Moses says, what should we tell the people You're, what your name is and who you are? And God says, I am. I am who I am. And in this moment, Jesus echoes the same identity i am don't be afraid i am with you i am for you i am all you need don't be afraid all of us have stories right like when i look at this crowd um, everyone seems like you know you've lived a happy it seems that way like, there's, n- there's no problems, right? Everyone has a nice little smile. I feel good, positive vibes coming this way. Um, but we all have our stories, don't we? And, um, you know, hopefully one day we get to um, share our stories with one another. Um, what do I look like? What do you think my story is? I'm the new guy here, right? I've only been here for, like, what, three, four months. I'm the new guy. What do you think my story is? Um, just want to share a little bit briefly about my story. and and how it relates to what I'm talking about here. Um, So, single mom, dirt poor, super rebellious throughout my high school days and throughout my 20s. Life spiraling out of control. At its lowest moment, homeless and sleeping in the the backseat of my Toyota Camry. No tinted windows. Very, very scary at night. Did that for a few months. At the lowest point, there was a a moment when I felt such overwhelming fear and anxiety and uncertainty. I just had no idea what was going to happen tomorrow. And it was just the most, it was just the scariest moment I've ever experienced in my life. And in that moment, I prayed. I cried out to God. I said, God, help me. Help me. And after I prayed, God showed up. So I went from being just utterly <laughs> afraid, right? Like I've never felt like this kind of fear before. And after I prayed, I just felt this overwhelming sense of peace. Complete 180, just like that, after I had prayed. And in that moment, I realized God is here with me. God showed up. God answered my prayer. But my situation didn't change. You know? The next day, it was still the same circumstance. I still didn't know what was going to happen in the future. You know, when God uh, revealed himself to me, You know, he didn't tell me in that moment, right, that, you know, David, it's gonna be okay. Um, Let me just tell you what's gonna happen. You're gonna meet this girl at a farmer's market a few months from now, and uh, she's gonna end up being your wife. And you know what, you're gonna start a family. Not you, yeah, you, you're gonna have a family. And uh, you're gonna have two girls, and uh, um, you know, you're gonna graduate from college even go to graduate school. Like, like he didn't tell me any of these things that were um, ahead of me, I guess. All I knew in that moment was, God, you are real. And you are with me. And Lord, okay, let's go. Let's go. I share this, um, you know, when I was thinking about how to close this message, I thought, "Man, you know what? Like, I, you know, praise God if your life is just really good right now, right? Praise God, but I think probably for some of you, you're in, you're going through a storm right now, and I don't want to undermine what you're going through, right? Because it's, it's really difficult, isn't it? And there's." And it's okay to be worried about your situation right now. It's totally okay. And I totally believe that God empathizes with you. You And I thought about um, that passage in Matthew where Jesus is empathizing with his followers, right? And he says, don't worry about tomorrow. And then he points to the lilies of the field and says, look, look at these lilies. Look how I've dressed them, even more beautiful than Solomon's days, right? Or look at these birds. Look how well I take care of them and feed them. How much more would I take care of you? And I love that because Jesus is, he's not undermining our experience. He's saying, I I understand. That you're worried and concerned and that there's fear i understand but here's what i would like for you to know i love you more than creation itself you mean the world to me and if i take care of creation in such a way how much more am i going to take care of you and then he gives them the invitation seek first the kingdom of god and everything else will be added unto you but seek first the kingdom And so I just want to invite you, if you're going through a storm right now, I know it's counterintuitive to not focus on the problem, right? But I would like to invite you to press forward in faith and trust in the one who is for you, who is with you, and who is all you need. Let me pray for us. God, you are the treasure. You are the treasure. And in the grand scale of things, yes, you are all we need. I pray, help us, Lord. Give us that perspective. God, there are so many things there's so many things that we've placed our trust in that's temporary. Help us to press forward to receive what is everlasting. God, I pray for new faith, renewed faith. I pray God that this year will be the year of breakthrough and change where we finally commit and say, Lord, have it all. I surrender it to you. And in return, wow. How amazing, how amazing will it be to experience your nearness and your presence and your promise? How amazing would it be when you become our anchor, our refuge, our cornerstone, our firm foundation? Let it be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.